Hello, Monarch fans, and welcome to the Hudson Homers podcast, part of the Monarchist Podcast Network. We are coming to you today after a sweep weekend of George Washington. I'm Gary. I know I am feeling great after this weekend of watching ODU baseball. I'm joined, as always, by CB. CB, how was your weekend uh, out at the ballpark? Hey, you know, that was a great weekend. I always say it's always fun to go out. It's a lot more fun when you win. So taking three wins, that was pretty great. Yeah, it was chilly, but it wasn't too terrible. I know you had some layers on to make sure you were uh, fine down there on the field level. Yeah, it was. It, fortunately, the sun stayed out, which is great for us, for the weather, uh, for me taking pictures. It was Obviously, it was great. Um, and I, I'm, I am extremely good at layering up these days so i really wasn't that bad i'm not gonna pretend like it wasn't cold i mean it was it was in the 40s every single day but i it was it was a lot it was the best you could have hoped for all around as far as the weekend goes as far as the weather as far as the winds it was really just a really great opening weekend and the crowd was fantastic really all three days it was a big crowd on saturday there was a really nice crowd on sunday for the final game of the series and considering that it really didn't get out of the 40s to have that kind of support for opening weekend was great to see. So tip of the cap to all the Monarch fans, the families, even some George Washington families were, were down there to watch the game and were there all weekend. So- yeah, they were, and they were great folks. I mean, a lot of times the opposing fans come in and, and sometimes you get some folks that are not great folks, but I, the George Washington folks, I didn't really talk to a ton of them, but they were all seemed very nice and, and just they were just there to watch baseball and root for their kids. And that's always great to see. And our beat writer for ODU baseball, Matt O'Brien, he interacted with quite a few of those fans and, and actually got some thanks for talking about their kids. I know a uh, Friday starter talked to talked to his parents a little bit and a few others. Pretty calm fan base. Not too much chirping going on a little bit, but not too much. That'll get really nice when we get into conference play and the weather's a little bit warmer. I think when Charlotte comes in a couple of weeks, that, that'll, that'll ramp up. Actually, when ECU comes in uh, a week from tomorrow uh, on Tuesday, that'll, that'll ramp up. They're they're good for chirping. Yeah, and the beers will be flowing in Rally Alley, I have no doubt. The great weekend. It was a busy day on Saturday. I was at the ballpark prior to the game on Saturday talking with Rick French and Eric Bohannon and a few others behind home plate. We were kind of in that little cave underneath uh, the stands, and it was uh, mm-hmm. quite windy and quite cold down there, but... Glad to see such an awesome turnout for Monarch fans. On the Hudson Homers podcast, we are going to keep you up to date on Dollars for Dingers, which if you haven't heard of by now, that was a campaign that started right at the end of the 2021 season, trying to get more fans engaged in driving some money back into the ODU baseball program. It's just pretty simple for every home run that ODU hit. You donate $1 to the Old Dominion Athletic Foundation for their baseball campaign. It's become a much bigger deal now. They kind of have that GoFundMe looking page. But CB, after this weekend, I think you have an idea of what we need to shift to instead of doing dollars for dingers this year. Well, I'm not going to say instead of. I want to. I want them to coincide. I think we still – I love the dollars for dingers. We've got some, some pop on the team. I don't know that we're going to hit that 100 home run mark. I don't think that's a problem. I think we have a different kind of team. We got some good hitters, but I think in addition to our dollars for dingers, which we have two of those, Luke Waters and Jake Teitzer, both hit us a dinger this weekend. So we've got $2 committed already. I would like to add that supplement, uh, compliment dollars for dingers. I want to go bucks for bags. I think we should be looking to donate a dollar for every stolen base the team has. And our guys came out hot this weekend. We start, we got 12 stolen bases this weekend. It was unbelievable on the base paths. It was something that Coach Finwood talked about 
uh, when he sat down with Matt O'Brien and it's in the preview article talking about this team's going to look a little different. I know you've talked about it. I've talked about it. It's contact. It's speed. It's getting guys over, getting guys in. Not as much on the power front, but we still did have two dingers. We had a couple doubles that scored some runs too, but 12 for 12 on stolen bases this weekend, which is unbelievable. I did the math. If we keep up that pace, we'll have 224 stolen bases at the end of the year. <laughs> I would be shocked if we kept up that pace, but I think we can definitely steal a lot of bases. Kyle Edwards had three on the weekend. You saw, if you were at the game, you saw he's doing a celebration, looking like him, like revving up the engine. I was talking to him before the game yesterday, and it's, I just love how much energy he's bringing. He's, he's playing like a little kid and just having a blast, and it's really infectious for the whole team it's fun to see yeah it's steven meyer also three for three luke waters two for two carter sunderman didn't even play that much this weekend and went two for two stealing bags and lavari had another one just to put it in perspective last season the entire season including the conference tournament we only stole 77 bases we already have 12 through our first three games that is an unbelievable change in philosophy from a stolen base standpoint well in 77 i i I don't have it in front of me, but I bet if you look back at uh, 22 or 21, that that was probably a a huge uptick. We had a lot more speed last year. Yeah, absolutely. That was was a high, I think, over the last five years. And then I think we are going to easily crush that number of 77 very early in the season if we keep up this pace of running. It's great. It's exciting baseball. I mean, you saw that in Major League Baseball this past year. They made the bases larger and it it led to just a lot of steals. And it's it's more – it's more fun baseball. They had to compete with the fact that their catchers and pitchers are so good that it was hard to steal bases. And so it's a fun style of baseball. It's, it's enjoyable to come out to a game and, and see things. I mean, home runs are, are exciting. Don't get me wrong. I think home runs get anybody, even your average fan that doesn't know much about the game, excited. But stolen bases are, are really enjoyable. They, they talk about in football, defense travels. Small ball, stealing, speed, and good pitching, they travel in baseball. So if you're not as reliant on home runs to win games, you're going to be much more consistent and likely win more games. I think you pointed out, you know, the end of last season, we kind of fell off a little bit with that home run pace and it cost us some games. I feel a lot better about the consistency of this team where home runs are just a nice added thing. Yeah, I mean, hustle never slumps and stolen bases and extra bases, that's hustle stuff. You know, you have some some intelligence and some smarts about when to do it and who to do it on, but if you're if you're really hustling, that it's hard to slump. Our first hit of the season was the infield hit. We, when you can just put the ball in play and run hard, good stuff happens. Yeah, and, and I feel like a lot of these guys, when they get on the base pass, they just have that instinct of how to read the pitcher and when to go and when not to go. And being able to time that up to get some really great jumps to where the catcher just has no chance to throw you out going down to second, or in some cases – Third base, as we saw over the weekend. Yeah, we took third a few times. Yeah, you actually got a really great shot of Steven Meyer that's in the recap uh, that is posted up on odumonarchist.com of him sliding into third after a steal, which was uh, just an awesome shot. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting when I when I can react fast enough to get cool things. Yeah, and one other change I think Monarch fans might have noticed too was the pitch clock boards are up. So you can actually see the countdown and, and how that impacts. And we'll talk to our pitchers throughout the season here to kind of see how they game plan with the pitch clock and knowing when the batter has to be in the box and when they have to start throwing and how they use that to their advantage. But we did see that a couple times over this weekend of, of being able to make that hitter stand in the box in the cold for a few extra seconds. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I'm looking here at the game times. Um, Fridays was two hours, 11 minutes, Saturday, 
two hours 44 and Sunday two hours and 50. So that was the longest one. Just there were a lot of mid inning pitching changes in that one. I mean, that's that's pretty great. I, I love baseball. I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be a four hour game, which college had definitely gotten to. And so the pitch clock and then adding some things like they have the electronic devices on their wrist to deliver signals, you know, just some things to make stuff move faster because we can enjoy the game without having to take forever. Yeah, I had gone over to women's basketball. They tipped off the same time as baseball did on Saturday. And I had the live stats on my phone, paying attention to that when we were sitting uh, courtside in the, in the media seats. And we got to the fourth quarter there and baseball was already in the six. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it back over to see the end of the game. We did. We got over there for the final two frames, but we had to roll out basically as the final seconds were ticking off the clock. So if you're essentially running most of a baseball game through the time it takes for a basketball game, you have considerably sped that game up. Uh, I made it a little more challenging for us running up and down uh, 43rd Street. Yeah, it's going to be a little challenging. Some of these weekday games, where I, I don't quite get out of work when they start at three o'clock. So that'll that'll be interesting. But again, I think it, it just that's the kind of thing that brings more people to the game too. If I can, if I can watch a game in a reasonable amount of time, there's a lot of action. The base paths are moving. It's just stuff is happening. That's only going to be a good thing. Just going to have to increase your pace a little bit down in the beers and rally alley. If that's where you hang out, because the game's going to be over by last call pretty quickly. So let, let's jump into the weekend uh, and start with, with the game on Friday, four, one victory to start off the season. Wasn't the prettiest game I think we've ever seen, but you saw right off the jump where putting the ball in play, using speed, some timely hitting, excellent pitching leads to a 4-1 victory on a day where the bats really weren't even going. Yeah, it was very much an opening weekend kind of game. You know, everyone that first day, I think, I don't know, how I don't care how many years you've been doing it. If you're a freshman or if you're, you're a 50-year senior, uh, I think guys are a little antsy. Everyone's a little too amped up. Everybody wants to hit that nine-run home run. So the hitting wasn't great. The other team made some errors. We took advantage of them. We did have some timely hits. And then and John Hollibetz started off the pitching just looking outstanding. I think I saw he was up to like 96 at one point, although he was smart. If you notice, he, he hit that in the first inning, then he was backing off. He was more around 91, 92, 93 the rest of the, the, his time out there. And then Bailey Matella just diced him up, one, two, three. Lincoln Ransom getting his first appearance on the mound as a monarch looked great. And then Jacob Gomez, a uh, couple innings just to end the game. I mean, the, the pitching was fantastic. Zero, one run, not earned, you know, unearned run. Um, so that was just a, a fantastic outing for the pitching. And the, the hitting got it done. They took advantage of the mistakes. I feel like Bailey almost set the tone for guys coming out of the bullpen all weekend. He comes in, strikes out the side, faced three batters, three strikeouts. Doesn't get a whole lot better than that. He only threw 11 pitches to get three strikeouts, which is really impressive. Lincoln hopping on the mound. He had a strikeout as well. And then, of course, Jacob Gomez slamming the door. I think the only only thing he missed out on was he he hit one batter, and, and that was it. But I will take that in two innings of relief because that that truly set the tone for that pitching staff for the rest of the weekend. They were just lights out. Well, you know, Jake, Jacob can't be a guy that's out there talking and intimidating people if he's not going to hit somebody. You know, he's got to – Got to plunk somebody, let them know. You got to get the word back out that you yeah. can't stand close to that plate or otherwise Jacob's going to come flying inside on you. Don't get comfortable in the box. You, you could also see that velo bump that he talked about when he came on the podcast in episode two, where he was able to gas it up a little bit when he needed to and then just blow your mind with something off speed. Friday was a very impressive day for pitching. That was the one thing you could walk away. Uh, again, the offense, you know, cold, it's hard to hit. The ball's not going anywhere. 
everyone's a little too over anxious, but the the pitching was just phenomenal. And their guys pitched very well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that they threw really well on Friday, especially considering that their starting pitcher, Michael Foltz, that was his first collegiate start ever. And to only give up one earned run and in, in oh. four innings pitched, uh, two uh, four strikeouts, two walks. Uh, you know, he had a couple wild pitches. He hit a couple guys. He, he had an error fielding, but oh, I think overall – that's a pretty good sign for George Washington going forward. They should be very excited. The kid after him, seven strikeouts and four innings, Braden Kurtz. Yeah, they, they should feel really good about this Friday, guys. And we're not going to try to make it seem like George Washington is a ranked ball club that's going to be in the College World Series or anything like that. But I think the A-10 preseason poll had them finishing ninth. The team I saw this weekend is going to finish better than ninth in the A-10. Like, I think they're solidly going to be in the middle of the pack there, be competitive down the stretch. So maybe a little bit better than they, they have been historically. There were a lot of good things if you're a GW fan after watching your team this weekend, even though you went 0-3. Yeah, it's tough to walk away 0-3 feeling good about things. But I, I, like I said, I think they should. They got they had some good pitching. They have some competitive hitters. I know their, their head coach, Greg Ritchie, is an outstanding hitting coach. So they – I hope they have a great year and compete. Because you know, again, they were they were fun to watch. They uh, had some some nice fans. I realized I seen to get uh, the second baseman McGuire Tuffy. Seen them play summer ball the last couple of years with Morehead City, and he's a very good ball player. And uh, Monarch fans will definitely be rooting for them so that they will sweep VCU this season because we just want VCU to take as many losses as humanly yes. possible, just for fun. It doesn't even really matter, but it's fun. Yes. Even though I was one of their coaches I'm friends with, I was telling him a good job on beating NC State the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the hard part about baseball is you've got those coaches that you really like that end up at a place like VCU, and you're like, well, I want them to lose, but I want my friend to do well. I've definitely been through that with VCU over the years. NC State's also kept us out of the tournament a couple times, and they shouldn't have, so I'm all for beating them too. Hey, I'll, I'll take all the wins that we can get, and anything that helps pump us up for that that regional bid uh, is is good in my book. Absolutely. But yeah, Friday was a good day. It was interesting to me. You know, I, I had pretty much predicted the starting lineup. I think I had a couple of positions switched. Um, it was interesting seeing TJ Aiken and Carter Sundeman get in the game late. And they got in all three games. So it was neat to see that's Finwood's plan, I guess, is to bring them in, let them play some defense at the end. Sunderman has said he stole a couple of bags, I think, right in that game. And then he first pitch of his college career, got a single. So, I mean, he's a good ball player. He wasn't waiting around. He saw that first one and drove it into the outfield. And when he did get brought into the game as a pinch runner, immediately stole second. So you're definitely seeing that speed impact there, too, with guys coming off the bench and just being ready to go and getting into position to help us put runs on the board. Yeah, they were joking around calling Mr. Perfect, uh, which he was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Saturday, we talked about that day a little bit. Uh, much more competitive game. I mean, this thing was was tight really until the, the the fifth inning. We pulled away to get up five to three in the fifth on a Stephen Meyer RBI single, and then it, it stretched out a little bit in the sixth inning. Just more of the same of of a lot of contact. I mean, Tyser had the home run, but that was. That was really the only big pop in that game aside from uh, Kenny Lavari's double. Yeah, we had, uh, what, four doubles in that game. So that was where I think the all the anxiety and all the um, pressure of opening day kind of lifted off its shoulders a little bit. I think you're getting a little deeper into the George Washington pitching and see their depth isn't quite as, as strong. So you got to see a little more pop that day. Dylan Brown started the game, did a great job. You know, eight strikeouts, five innings, uh, three runs, two earned. Um, I love that they left him out there in the fifth inning, let him work through it. I know he he had you gave him a run. He had some guys on base. That's been a time in some other some other years where we were going and getting that guy. I was very surprised they let him 
finish the fifth inning, but I loved it. I think that's the kind of thing. The only way you're going to succeed is by letting your pitchers work through stuff. So that was that was very exciting to, to see that happen. Yeah, he got to work through it while also keeping his pitch count relatively low. Threw 73 pitches over five innings. Pretty efficient work there. Uh, the eight strikeouts. He was just blowing people away up there on the mound. It's funny. He blows them away without throwing really right. hard. He's just got <laughs> really good stuff. He's really good at spotting the ball. Um, Dylan's a very talented pitcher. He, he's a he's such a good kid too. He's he's one. We need to bring him on the podcast at some point. He's just a really uh, really always smiling, having a good time. Great kid. Yeah, we'll definitely work on lining up some more guys to come join us. They've got the quick turnaround to Charlottesville on Tuesday, but we will definitely be bringing you additional ODU players and coaches to give you their their take on things. But following Dylan Brown on Saturday was Ben Moore. Two innings pitched. There's one run that scored, but it was unearned. Two strikeouts. Uh, he was a little wild, though. Ended up hitting three batters in that two innings of work. Yeah, a little wild. He kind of made some of his own problems and then an error behind him, too. Uh, but again, you know, Ben's a very good pitcher. If you come out of it one run unearned, it's okay. And then and then uh, Vincent Bechera came in after a couple of hits in the inning with a strikeout, but a scoreless inning. And then Jay Cassidy looked phenomenal at the end. The Christopher Newport graduate student, uh, he he looked outstanding at the end. If you look at him. A bullpen where you can bring out Cassidy and Gomez at the end of the things, the lefties, that's pretty dominant. It was impressive to see. And Jay looked great on the mound, didn't show an, an ounce of, of nerves, really. He fielded his position pretty well there at the end of the game, too. Uh, so just another electric performance from the bullpen after in a fantastic start from Dylan Brown. Yeah, again, just pitching was really good all weekend. The offense picked up that game. You know, what Kyle Edwards had a couple of hits. Kyle Edwards had a rough weekend, man. George Washington made about six really outstanding catches in the outfield over the weekend, and I think at least three of them were on Kyle. So, I mean, he, he was, he's still leading the team in hitting, but he, he should have about three more hits. I mean, they just in the gaps, just these great leaping, diving catches their outfielders made and robbed some hits off of guys. Yeah, George Washington's outfield played great all weekend, and they were battling some wind out there that that changed directions on them on Sunday too, and they were still tracking balls down in the gap, going back to the wall, having to deal with that. We probably could have added another six, seven, eight runs over the weekend if they don't have that really strong fielding in the outfield. Uh, so to have those things not go your way and still come away with the sweep, that is really tough to do. Tip of the cap to the revolutionary outfielders there. The Revs. I do I do enjoy the nickname. It's very fun. Also, let's point a solid uniform game for the Revs all weekend. They're Friday and Saturday especially. They had some really nice uniforms. Yeah. And we, ODU, we got to show off the, the full uniform game. But we had the uh, our pinstripe, our white pinstripes on Friday. Saturday, we had the all-Navy, you know, Navy tops and Navy pants. And then Sunday, we had the all-Hudson blues, both tops and pants. And we had some really... We got to show off our really nice uniforms all weekend, so that, that's a lot of fun. You know I'm partial to the all-Hudson Blues, no matter what the sport is, football, baseball, basketball. That, that's definitely my favorite combo and looks looks amazing when you put it out there, print and photo and all of that. It was nice to see us looking sharp on the way to the sweep. Yeah, I've been an advocate of ODU as a school, kind of going back to the Hudson Blue being our color. I, I think, you know, the Navy is great. We should use that as the highlights and support, but I – I think, you know, we at one point the Hudson Blue was our, our color, and uh, I think we should kind of transition back into that personally. You can see uh, my influence on it. If you go to odumonarchist.com, the whole site is pretty much in Hudson Blue with navy and white writing, so I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. Uh, but one, one other note from Saturday, I do want to talk a little bit about Kenny Lavari. He had a tough weekend overall. He hit three strikeouts on Friday, uh, but Saturday bounced back, had a couple – 
couple of hits, drove in three runs, looked pretty good. He was also robbed a couple of times on Sunday with some good hits. So nice to see him come through, even though he didn't have a strong weekend. He was able to drive in three runs for us in, in what was a fairly tight 7-4 game. Yeah, and played uh, first base on Friday and Sunday, too, which he's not done in a game at ODU before. So it's it's uh, it's great seeing him show that positional flexibility and uh, and continue just to be a leader. He's just he's just a leader on the field. He's a leader in the lineup. Uh, Kenny's just a, he's a just such a value to ODU baseball. Yeah, he he brought a lot to the table and was just you know glad to see him power through after a, a rough opening game to come back and play really well on Saturday. And I think that's that might be the trend this year where you may see a guy that only has one really strong game over a weekend series, but the the runs that they're driving in are critical to winning that one. And I think you get that more when you play more contact and speed than, than swinging for, for home runs. Well, unfortunately for Kenny, he's always been that guy. He's even in, you know, last year with all the pop and power, I mean, I think whether you have seven, eight, and they kind of handed up at the end of the year when he was just kind of, he got his swing really going good. He's not, he's one of the guys, he's going to stay within himself. He's always going to be a hit the ball, the opposite field, take what's given to you. He's just a really, a really solid hitter. Yeah, and where he's hitting at in the order with that all that speed in front of him too, he he's going to earn some dividends on that with those those guys on the base paths. If he's able to go the other way, get singles and doubles, there's there's going to be ducks on the pond for him in scoring position. Yeah, absolutely. So jumping on to Sunday, win the finale eight to two, another great pitching performance. Trent Buchanan, we were sitting side by side there for. Part of that first inning watching him pitch and man he looked amazing out there yeah you might be hard pressed to find anybody in the team who's taken as big a jump as trent has taken and he was a very good solid reliever for the monarchs last year and now he's looking at I me mean, he said he was up to 96 there again he did the kind of the same thing that all did where he kind of backed off a little bit decided to sit more around 92 93 and yeah, just pitched really well. I, I would we, i think we're all kind of hoping to get the five innings but by the end of four it was very clear he was physically a bit gassed and also i think he was just emotionally i think he hadn't started a game in years and i think at a certain point it, it takes a little bit of a toll um but just pitched great and uh it was very very exciting set the table for the team really well because we had some really great relief work right after that yeah kellen davis came on in relief for the fifth and the gyro ball yeah yeah the phase three batters struck them all out and I, I will just say batters look confused to put it nicely yeah He's got, I don't even know, I don't know how you describe it. The ball just drops off a table. He's one of those guys, you look at him, he, he's probably the most, might be the most physically fit kid on the team. Um, he's one he could do like a, a standing leap of about 40 some inches. He just has this weird ball that just drops and is, is goofy. And when he controls it well, it's it's something else. Yeah, I think that uh, was a little bit of shock and awe for, for George Washington at the plate when he came in to, to see that thing just drop off the table on them. Challenge for Evan Holman behind the dish to wrangle that in, but I thought he did a great job. That's a player that I want to talk about here a little bit later in the podcast behind the dish. Yeah, we need to talk about it. Evan was doing work behind the plate. We need, we'll talk about him here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So Kellen gets a clean fifth. Uh, Nick Sulpizio comes in, throws an inning in two-thirds. Does allow one earned run, but for the most part, really handled himself pretty well. I actually had not had a chance to see Nick pit. Nick or Brandon Pond, I hadn't had a chance to see them pitch. Uh, just worked out, and so it was. It was good to see uh, Nick as a, a freshman. I know Finney's very high on him. You can see why the talent was obvious. There's always a little bit of jitters, and he he pitched through it, and he looked good. And then um, Hudson Trowball came out and kind of he came into uh, a bit of a situation there and uh, got himself a fly out. So that was really great to see. I don't know if the plan is for him to be kind of a 
a situational lefty or that's just how it worked out then. But it was it was really good to see another freshman come in in a big situation and get out of the inning. Yeah, coming right in into a high leverage situation and getting the out. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Coming in that situation and having that for your first appearance of the year. <laughs> You know, no, no pressure, kid. Yeah. Good luck, and uh, he did well. Yeah, yeah. I know his whole his whole family was down from Maryland to see him, and they they were having a blast. And then Brandon Pond, our graduate student from Lynchburg, who's got himself a Division Three World Series victory last year with Lynchburg. He came in last two innings, just looked great. Looked like another uh, strong veteran presence out of the bullpen. You know, again, you you throw him and Jay Cassidy and Jacob Gomez. You got you got a lot of experience at the end of the bullpen there. Yeah, and we we definitely saw that on display all weekend. On on the offensive side, it was it was a little bit of the Luke Waters show on Sunday, going four for four, driving in four runs, hit the solo shot. But really, just an amazing day at the dish for Mister Waters. I didn't even realize until I saw the box score that he had four hits. I knew he was having a great day, but that's who he is as a ball player. He's just a quiet, consistent. I mean, he's the same way he, he's that as a kid. He just he's real quiet. He's a good kid. He's having fun with everybody, but he's just, he's not the like guy you're going to notice. And so he, he can have a quiet four for four day with four RBIs. That home run was, I think when we have home runs this year, what he had is exactly what we're going to have. He just, he got into it, got a nice, nice line drive stroke and it just smoked over the wall. I mean, that was one that, and it was a no doubter. You know, I, was, I was there in the bullpen and one of the guys in the bullpen was like, oh, stay fair. Because that was the only thing. There was the only way it wasn't going out is it went foul. He looked great at the plate uh, on Sunday and kind of helped spark a lot of things. Uh, I did notice something interesting with Jake Tyser. Uh, they did not want to pitch to him on Sunday. Uh, he he <laughs> no, if they were runners on base, he was getting uh, four pitches way out of the zone, seeing if they could get him to chase. But he he did his job and got two walks. He got on base and and set some other guys up down the lineup. Yeah, I every time they they, they had two yeah, two four pitch walks and I was sitting over there I wouldn't pitch to him either. He's so imposing. He's imposing as a hitter and then I, I, he gives you that mentally imposing because you you look at him he's like he's larger than a human being should be. <laughs> like he's just so big. I see him all the time and I still like I had a I had some pictures the other day and he's walking there it's like he's head and shoulders above everyone and all these other large baseball players. It's yeah, I, I don't blame them for not wanting anything to do with him. Yeah, I want to see him taking a bat off of the kid from St. Mary's, Jason Reitz, who is six foot nine as a pitcher. That that's a matchup that I think college baseball fans need to see at some point this year. I'm sure some team out here has some uh, some huge pitcher that we can we can get a matchup. We can get a an all height matchup. Yeah, for for long term ODU fans, uh, Jason Reitz, who plays for St. Mary's, he looks like Sam Harris when he's pitching. Like it's almost like he's moving in slow motion, but throwing really hard at the same time. I think he threw five scoreless yesterday. So we need the uh, the, the the tall guys club, a little home run derby or something. Yes, yeah, a few years back, it might be like ten years now, but I saw a guy, uh, Loke Van Mill, was a uh, a seven foot one pitcher for the Minnesota Twins in the minors, and I saw him pitch in the spring training game, and that was that was pretty nuts. It's all arms and legs. Yeah, I mean that thing is just dotting right on top of your head as it comes in. It just looks like it's being thrown off a tower. Maverick Stallings also had a great day on Sunday with a couple of hits. Maverick had a great weekend. I mean, he had, he had a couple of errors in the field, but he also he made three or four, five outstanding great plays in the field. So he just had a lot of balls hit at him. Um, but he, yeah, he had a great weekend. He was, well, he's four for 10. Um, just really, he, he's just a very consistent, good hitter. Hits line drives. I mean, he's a really good ball player. And Steven Meyer had a couple of hits in that game, a couple stolen bases over the weekend. He ended up with four hits. 
uh, with a double, drove in two runs, and was three for three on steal attempts. He makes pitchers and catchers nervous when he's on base. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, Steve, I'm going to take some credit with Steve because he was telling me uh, last weekend that he was scuffling. He was a little worried about he was coming to the season not doing well. And I told him, I said, well, hey, man, with your speed, you just got to, like, you know, do a bunt. And uh, and he's like, and we were talking because we were at, at the, the practice. He's like, yeah, but every time I do that, Kenny's just going to feel it. I said, yeah, well, you do a push bunt towards first base. I think it was his first at bat of the year. He did a push bunt towards first base. Now he ended up, he wasn't safe on that one. He moved a runner over. Uh, but from there on, all of a sudden, he, the swing was on. He had a couple of uh, blue pits on uh, Saturday to get him going. And uh, so I'm going I'm to take a little credit with, with Steve. We, we helped get him going. Yeah, and, and he did that same push bunt. I think it was supposed to be a suicide squeeze, but the run ended up mm-hmm. scoring, and he was safe at first on Sunday. Uh, and it's just, again, it, you, that speed causes people to rush. They don't set their feet. They don't make the right throw, the right reads. Just that added pressure that he brings to the table when he's on the base pass is such a weapon for us. Well, and now since you said weapon, that, that's the phrase I've been using about Evan Holman. Behind the plate, Evan Holman is a weapon. He is just gunning guys down. I mean, it's not even close. Like, he's he's throwing the ball, and they're having to wait on him, uh, on the guy sliding in. I mean, he he is he had a heck of a weekend, made a bunch of diving and stops, a lot of in-the-dirt stops. I mean, Evan just looked phenomenal behind the plate. He was incredible. I don't know what his actual pop time is. Like, I need someone with a stopwatch to time it. But yeah. it's one of the fastest ones that I've ever seen in college baseball. He has that ball up and out so fast that runners really don't have a chance. I mean, some of the guys he was throwing out were out by eight, nine feet. Like it was just looks so simple. And and Jack Slater caught on Saturday, did a great job too, but he didn't get to show off as much as Evan did. I mean, Evan really, he looked outstanding. And this is a guy, a lot of people might not know last year when he was Juco, he ended up playing third base a lot of the season just because of some injuries. Um, So this is a guy, he didn't really get a chance to, to catch as much as he would have liked last year. Yeah, I mean, he threw out three of, of five base stealers this weekend, and, and one of those he didn't throw out on Sunday. He was so fast with his pop time that when he came up with the ball in his hand, he actually hit the underside of the lid of his helmet that was backwards, and that's the only reason he didn't throw that guy out because he had him by a mile. He just accidentally hit his own helmet, and it would have been a throw into center field if he would have kept going. The, the weapon is so dangerous, it might hurt himself. It, 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 it's great to see, and I, I would argue probably the George Washington base runners aren't as uh, fast or effective as some other teams we're going to see. I don't think that's, that's anything uh, you know mean to say about them. So I, I'm very excited to see how Evan does against some teams like UVA, ECU coming up, some of these bigger schools, some that have some, you know, some top 25 uh, players. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how Evan does the rest of the year. And, and I do want to point out that I think our pitching staff helped him out by being pretty quick to the plate, too, to put him in a good position. We didn't have those situations where somebody clearly got a steal off of a pitcher. So that tandem working together to keep guys from stealing is, is nice to see. And it's something that once you start getting that reputation, it's going to make a lot of teams even just not steal on you, period, because they don't want to yeah. take the chance of getting it out there. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Once you get to conference play, other teams kind of know about you and what you're doing. So uh, hopefully by the end of the year, people are trying to be trying it. And that that's as good as anything. If you can keep guys, keep people being station-to-station station baseball, it makes it a lot harder to score. Especially with the arms we're trotting out of the pen and in our rotation right now. I mean, it's uh, – it's really nice to see, and we did see Blake Morgan on the field pregame on Saturday. 
I know that there's some debate if he's coming back this season. We could have him in a month. I know there's a lot of a lot of things going on out there, but he was pulling up some mats and stuff from BP, moving pretty well. Uh, he was out there throwing a bullpen Saturday, um, and I was throwing some before the game Sunday. And I was talking to him. He said it's all it's all going good. We're just gonna. It's just still just a, a keep waiting and seeing. Still a few weeks out, but he said so far there aren't many setbacks. So far he's feeling good. So that would. That would be a huge addition if Blake could come out and feel strong and feel good. I mean, you think about the second weekend of conference or second uh, month of conference play, being able to add Blake Morgan to this pitching staff, uh, that, that's got to be pretty terrifying for everyone who's on the back half of our schedule if they see him start making that comeback to the field. Yeah, it would be great. I, I My guess would be they'll probably work him in on some midweeks. But looking ahead, that midweek we have against Princeton where we have a Tuesday and Wednesday, that would be a really perfect scenario to, to try to bring Blake in if he's able. So we'll we'll see. Like I said, he's he's feeling good about it. Like I talked to him, he's like, yeah, a little sore, but he's like, you know, that's normal. He's like, so it wasn't anything that out of the ordinary for him. Yeah, well, obviously both of us are rooting for Blake Morgan. I think all Monarch fans are uh, getting that, that lefty back out there to do some damage. We're going to take a quick break before we discuss the four games coming up on the Monarch schedule this week. This episode of the Monarchist Podcast is brought to you by the Pride of ODU Collective. Their mission is to elevate the experience of student-athletes through name, image, and likeness, while also elevating the fan experience. If you or your business are interested in getting involved, you can reach out to us directly or go over to theprideofodu.com. That is theprideofodu.com. Thank you for listening, and go Monarchs. This episode was recorded prior to Tuesday's game with Virginia being postponed to Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Our thoughts are with the family of Aaron Buchanan and the Virginia baseball program. We got a little look ahead to do here uh, after the sweep. We've got number 14 UVA on Tuesday and then a weekend series with Rutgers coming to town. This episode is going to release on Tuesday, so great thing to listen to if you're driving up to Charlottesville or driving back after the game. Uh, but UVA... They swept Hofstra over the weekend. They won 10 to 8 on Friday, 21 to 3 on Saturday, and then 11 to 9 on Sunday. It's a lot of runs to give up to Hofstra. I got to be honest. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to knock Hofstra as every team's a team, but that's I when I first hear UBA versus Hofstra, I think the 21 to 3 should have been the whole weekend. So that's it's interesting. That's good for that. that that's kind of what I was thinking too, and especially like it was it was colder in Charlottesville than it was in Norfolk, and that's a boatload of runs that are coming through there and a lot of arms that you're using out of your bullpen. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see the pitching matchups that develop from that after probably blowing through all of your arms on the weekend while we were able to use our guys pretty sparingly with some good starting pitching performances. Yeah, I mean, but but again, let's not forget, I mean, UVA is a fantastic team. Um, they have a few local kids. Harrison Dinowick from uh, Western Branch is, I think he's a sophomore now, and he's an outstanding player. Ethan Anderson, catcher from Cox, played with Kyle Edwards. They won a state championship together uh, as seniors, and, and Ethan is, is he's getting to catch this year, um, and he's a phenomenal player. So, I mean, UVA is, UVA is no joke. I mean, every, we got three games against them this year. Every one of them is going to be a rock fight. I mean, they're good. We can, we can match up with them, though. I mean, that's the thing. We, we've beat UVA plenty in the past. They're not this unbeatable team, so it's – Hopefully Tuesday is going to be a great game. Well, really, since Brian O'Connor got there, they've they've become a, a power for sure. But even when they've had those great seasons and they've won national championships and been in the College World Series, we've fared pretty well against them. 
I remember from working up there and ODU coming to town and getting some wins on those midweeks after hearing from all the UVA fans about, oh, we're going to blow ODU out. And then all of a sudden it's four to one in the ninth inning and they're done. Uh, so hopefully continuing that trend and, and going four and oh. Uh, to head into the weekend series with Rutgers. Uh, if you're going up to Charlottesville, enjoy it. The ballpark, since they've done the renovations, is absolutely beautiful and should inspire you to do anything you can financially to help us rebuild the bud because it's not going to be too far off from just that amazing facility that they have there at uh, Davenport Field. Yeah, it was great to know Ryan Zimmerman uh, from right here in Virginia Beach. He he donated a lot of money. Uh, so it's nice to have those, uh, those major league alumni who – really invest in and care about the program. So that's a great thing the UVA has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've got, got a good fan base there too, even though it's a Tuesday midweek, probably be a little bit chilly there. They're still going to show up and there'll be plenty of people out in that right field porch where they have kind of an elevated version of Rally Alley out there where you could see right down the right field line. Um, I wish I wish I was able to get out there. Unfortunately, not able to Tuesday, but uh, we'll absolutely be following along. PM Plus will have the streaming broadcast if you're not heading out to Charlottesville this weekend. Yeah, I'll be doing the same thing watching running ESPN Plus with everybody else. Yeah. And then Rutgers this weekend. They, I know they swept their weekend. Who were they? Wofford? Is that who they were uh, playing? Winthrop from down in Rock Hill, Winthrop. South Carolina. It was somewhere down in Carolina. Yeah, so good for them. Yeah, I saw Joey DiCiero, former uh, ODU Monarch. He had a, a scoreless inning at the end of the game Saturday. Uh, I think he got a save. Uh, which is great. Looking forward to seeing him. Um, hopefully his team will go uh, 0-3 this weekend, but Joey will have a good appearance. <laughs> I, I hope so. And I'm, I, Bobby D uh, tweeted at us and said that we have to pay him $50,000 or buy him some bourbon every time we mention his name. So add one more yeah. drink to the list there for, for Bobby. Yeah. But the, the series down in, in Rock Hill, they took first game pretty convincingly, 14-5. to Saturday was a little bit closer, 3-1, good, good pitchers game. And then Sunday was actually an 11-inning game that they won seven yeah. to six. So pretty good competitive baseball for them, at least the last two games of that series. Yeah. You know, Rutgers is always, it's always good to come in when you, we, uh, what was it, like 24 years in a row we had them coming in. And then I think the last few they haven't. Uh, and so getting them back is, it's nice. I mean, it's one of those to me, that's just early season ODU baseball is Rutgers coming in. So it's always uh, enjoyable to see them. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, game Friday at three, Saturday at two, Sunday at one. I think they kind of keep that trend going until it gets a little bit warmer, get a little more daylight. Yeah, right to the time change. That that becomes uh, even though the time change is still a little early. You start going to six o'clock games. You've asked me, probably could have given it a few more weeks, but that's how it goes. We'll we'll in, in, enjoy the sunshine while we can, and uh, love it when that that time changes back. And that usually coincides pretty closely with Major League Baseball too, and it's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But all three games, if you're not able to make it to Norfolk, will be streaming on ESPN Plus. Uh, I know Saturday's I- game was not streamed on ESPN Plus. That is because the women's basketball game was on ESPN+. And right now, with the current operations and setup, they can only have one game on campus at a time streaming through ESPN+. So that's the reason why, if you were looking for the game on Saturday, you weren't able to find it. Those multi-sport days uh, take their toll sometimes on the infrastructure when you don't have a humongous setup like some of these big Power 5 schools with hundreds of millions in TV money rolling in. Yeah. But our folks are working hard. We got some really great operations people and really great people that put on our events and put on our games. Despite 
those things being the limitations, we're we're better off in a lot of places. So it's it's great that they are here for us. Yeah, we we do more with less than I think anybody. Uh, they they do a great job. We've got you know some great camera angles, and they got a very early test. I mean, the first pitch of the game on Friday went to review, so they uh, they got stressed yeah. out pretty early there. Which was there were a few that were ridiculous. There, man, there was a uh, the umpires for overall did a very good job. I'm not you know I, I, while I point this out, I, I didn't I didn't really have a ton of problem with the strike zones. There were you know pitches here there that happens but there was one toward the end of the game yesterday it was a uh, Meyer actually that um they called him out and I mean I had a picture of it and he he was touching the bag and the ball wasn't even in the picture frame yet and he called him out originally so there were there were you know they didn't make a lot of mistakes but man they made a couple of pretty egregious ones well there were a couple hundred people in rally alley that knew what the call was and let the umpire know yeah. about it so Tip of the cap to the crew that was there in, in Rally Alley for that play at first base. Good to keep those uh, umpires on their toes. They probably uh, don't particularly like coming, covering first base when they've got a packed Rally Alley, especially later in the year. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, well, we're we're looking forward to, to four great games this week. Uh, I think a step up in competition, absolutely, with Virginia on Tuesday, but I think even with Rutgers, I would love to see the sweep, uh, but I think this is one where if you walk away winning two out of three, you're feeling pretty damn good that you beat a good team twice. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is what you want. I think it's certainly by design. You, you, not that George Washington's a pushover, but you want a team that's not quite at your level, and then you, you know, UBA, you can you step it up. The team above your level, and then Rutgers, you know, again, probably not quite at your level, uh, but still, and then seep it up, and then we get, uh, I believe, Charlotte's next weekend, which should be a team that is right where we are and very competitive. And then, you know, you got one more weekend and they're right in the conference play. I mean, again, that's the, the hope when you have that preseason gamut, you know, throwing ECU in there and, and hopefully you, you're just ready to go when conference play starts. I mean, again, all this is great. We want to win every single game. It all helps your RPI and those kind of things. But what really matters is if you go and win your games in conference play. Yeah, some some early tests. I mean, you have the Rutgers series, then you've got East Carolina coming to town, then Charlotte. Uh, you got William and Mary and then Northeastern, which Northeastern was ranked in the preseason. We watched a little bit of their games over the weekend. So that that's going to be a fun one coming to the bud there that March 8th, 9th and 10th. And you get a little reprieve with Princeton and, and Georgia Southern. But who knows with Georgia Southern? I mean, the Sun Belt is, is going to be crazy and no telling what happens those weekends. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that we are on here talking about actual games and what guys did. The wait's finally over, and now you're sprinting through a marathon here until we hopefully get to June. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. We had, It was a great weekend. Uh, we saw a lot of positive things. I hope if you were able to get out the ballpark, I hope you had a great time. I hope you you come back. We, again, we had we did have great crowds. Um, if you haven't had a chance, come out this weekend. I think uh, the weather is looking good Saturday and Sunday anyway. I'm not real sure about Friday right now, but Saturday and Sunday, the weather's looking good. So, I mean, come on out and really – these are some great kids. If you get a chance, talk to some of the guys and, and just, uh, I, I can't say enough. I mean, I love ODU baseball. This, this is the best time of year. Yeah. And a good way to support the team too, is to, to order those voucher booklets from why not ticks. Uh, if you log in there, you actually get some pretty good uh, ODAF points uh, with that as well. So they're good for all the spring sports this season. It helps directly impact the program showing that people are, are coming through, but I was impressed by the crowds that came out in 40 degree weather. And man, that, that first weekend where it's like, 70, 75, uh, the bud's going to be packed. And I'm ready for it for short sleeves and, and not looking like the uh, the kid from A Christmas Story that can't put his arms down. Yeah, and we're going to be ranked in the top 25 by then. You know, it's going it's to be a great weekend. I love it. And speaking of merch in apparel, 
this week at odmonarchist.com, we are officially launching our merch store. Uh, so you will see that out on social media. We have two items that are specifically for baseball that will be on there. Uh, and the way we're operating that is any money that we're making on that is either kicking back to the pride of ODU NIL Collective for baseball or whichever specific sport that piece of apparel is for, or it's going to ODAF to directly uh, support the program. So we are not making any money on this. We are driving all of that money back into the programs that those apparel items are supporting. We'll have some kind of general stuff that's going to go to general funds for NIL and for ODAF. Really excited to finally be getting that out so that you can get your Bud Bomber shirt and all of that good stuff and being able to give back to the program with some cool gear. We've actually partnered with Nick Clark, who was a center for ODU football. He has a print-on-demand shop. So even the people that are, are putting the cost out there for it are ODU alums. So really keeping it all in-house, and we're excited to get that going this week. Well, fantastic. Go get, go get you some gear. Uh, get those hoodies and bring them out to the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, we got to get the beanies. I think you got a beanie from Aaron on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it looks nice. It's very, very nice, and it will be used. A little, a little puffy part on the top of the beanie. I'm going to be honest. I'll probably uh, deform it a little bit. I'm, I'm just personally not a big fan of the little puffy. Yeah, I got to cut the poof ball. That's, so that's it. My me. wife ended up with that one when we did the the first run of them. Says I'm, a, I'm not a poof ball hat guy either. Yeah. So I'm weird. I'll, I'll do that. And then hoodies, I always take the uh, the drawstrings out. So I'm, I'm, I'm very a little particular about things. Yeah, usually my dogs do the drawstrings in my hoodies for me. So I don't really get a choice whether I want them or not. Well, I, I, I think that's it for us this week. We're looking forward to four awesome games coming off of the sweep of George Washington. CB, any final notes for our fans out there? Again, just come out and support these guys. Or come out and just enjoy it. Good entertainment. It's, it's really good baseball. They're really good people. They play very hard. They're hustling. Uh, they, they really they want to do well, and they do well. Come out and see them. If you can't quite come out and see them, you're not you know where you can. Go watch them on ESPN+. Plus. Really just take advantage because we have a we have a great team we've been one of the best teams on campus for a while now consistently for years now and it's enjoyable and this is this is my favorite time of year i love it i love this, this the baseball season i'm never happier <laughs> so uh it's it's a good time and i'm i'm just excited it's here and i i can't wait to keep watching yeah we thank all of you who listened to the first two episodes of the podcast i uh, hope you're enjoying this one as well if you go to our social media channel, every Sunday, we're going to put out that phone number where you can call and leave a voicemail. So feel free to give us your thoughts on, on games over the week, over the weekend. The best calls will actually get played on the podcast. So feel free to, to use and abuse that. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your enemies. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, like, all of that good stuff so we can keep this moving forward and, and tell as many people as possible about Old Dominion Baseball. So for CB and myself, thank you all so much for tuning in this week, and we'll catch you next Tuesday.